sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizapia, and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. I know what you're thinking. Where's Craig Mish? Where is he? Don't worry. He will be back shortly. He's going to be talking with Matt Sells a little later on the program about some NASCAR and talking to Gray Albright about some fantasy baseball news as we kind of turn the page from fantasy baseball to fantasy football. And there's going to be a whole lot of fantasy football today on the program. We're going to be doing our team series that we've been up to. We're going to do the number five spot and the number six spot, what those drafts might look like. We're going to have Andrew Erickson back again, too. We're also going to have Emery Hunt talk a little fantasy football, talk some rookies with him. So it's jam-packed. And I know what this weekend's all about. It's Labor Day, so everybody's having fun. Everybody's having some cocktails by the pool, maybe. A little barbecue, a little this and that. But a whole lot of fantasy football drafts are happening this weekend, and I'm going to get you prepared. And if you haven't already, go get your fantasy black book over on Amazon. Get your cheat sheets. Get your results ready to go because the time is now. That's it. You're, you're out of time, basically. But luckily, we're here for you on SportsGrid to continue to help that process and move it all forward. So I appreciate you joining us here today on the program, and we're going to be uh, having some fun. But before we get to the fun, let's get to the facts, and let's talk a little bit about some of the headlines going on in fantasy sports today. So let's fire them up. And obviously, the big one here, Rookie of the Year in the NBA goes to John Morant. Uh, very, very well-deserved as well. And uh, it's funny, Zion finished, I believe, third in that voting. So he was the chalk early on in wagering for Rookie of the Year. Did not work out. And how often does that happen, right? Where you get that scenario where all of a sudden you go, ah, you know, it's not really going to you know, always be the chalk, always be the guy that you think it's going to be. Some things look a little too easy, and that becomes a trap, obviously. Uh, the Raptors won a thriller over the Celtics yesterday. So more NBA thrilling endings, which is great. I mean, this is what we all wanted. NBA playoffs have been fantastic so far. If you're not watching them, I don't know why, because they've been really entertaining and fun. Grizzlies are in trouble. The heat look good. You still got LeBron in there. A lot of fun stuff going on there. And the Raptors, obviously, over the Celtics last night, that was one that uh, if you missed it, you saw the highlights and you go, hey, I should be watching these games. You should watch them this weekend, too. The Patriots, in uh, news that could not be more obvious, Selected Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. Duh. Really shocking. I had no idea that that was going to happen. Uh, but yes, this was the foregone conclusion. And <laughs> I would love to go back about a month ago to those people saying, oh, it's going to be a timeshare, isn't it? With Jared Stidham. And no, no, it's not. You don't bring an NFL MVP, a guy who took a team to a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden just go, oh, you know what? You're going to sit on the bench for Jared Stidham. No, it's not going to happen. So Cam Newton is that guy. Uh, the Colts make Ryan Kelly the highest paid uh, NFL center. So that's very important. He will be protecting Philip Rivers this year. And Philip Rivers could not be more happy to see Ryan Kelly and all of his friends on that offensive line because last year that O line was absolutely dreadful for the Chargers. This year, huge upgrade, obviously, for him. And uh, as we continue to go through the rest of the highlights as well, the Jaguars traded Ronnie Harrison uh, to the Browns, and the Mets did a great job by honoring uh, Tom Seaver with the uh, the dirt on the right knee, the classic moment there where it's that iconic thing where Tom Seaver had that drop and drive from the mound and you would see him kind of get that knee dirty by the end of the game. So very cool there. Those guys putting that out there. Also of note, Jose Altuve going for an MRI. 
uh, on his uh, on his knee, and that can't be good. That can't be good. Jose Altuve has not had a very good season. Um, perhaps it's some injury related. Perhaps it's just everything going on. No, I don't think it has anything to do with trash cans or any sort of beepers inside of his uniform or anything else going on. But uh, it's been a tricky year for the Astros, and the Astros are at a weird point right now because they're still in striking distance of the playoffs. But without Verlander, uh, Springer's been banged up, Bregman on the IL. You've had guys like Michael Brantley kind of carrying the torch. You've had some Kyle Tucker guys like that who have stepped up into that void of the Springers and Altuves and the Bregmans of the world. And they've been the ones who have stepped up in that void. And they have made things work here so far for the Astros. Jordan Alvarez is also not there as we welcome in our radio audience to Fantasy Sports today right here on SportsGrid. The Astros could finish strong, ruin everybody's 2020, get in the playoffs and make a run yet again. But it's standing on the edge of a knife right now for the Astros. It really, truly is. And I know most of baseball fans out there are laughing and enjoying this. And they're saying, see what happens. Karma comes to get you. And maybe they're right. Maybe that's true. But one thing's for sure. Next year, George Springer is a free agent. Next year, Jose Altuve is another year older. Next year, Justin Verlander is coming off a major injury. There's a lot of questions here with Houston going forward. Oh, and I forgot. They also don't have any draft picks in the first two rounds for the next two years. Mm, That could be a problem as well. But. I mean, clearly the big news today also, and we'll get to a little later on, is Adrian Peterson getting let go by the Washington football team. We're going to break that down for you later on in hour two, tell you what that means in terms of fantasy for you, and tell you what that means in terms of football reality, too. Where is the Washington football team right now? Where are they headed? It seems like the future is now, now that Ron Rivera has basically stepped into that void, and that, I think, is a good thing for you, Redskin. Oh, wait. Oh, I almost said it. For you Washington football fans out there, don't worry. Things are looking up. Yes, you'll be looking up at the Eagles and the Giants and certainly the Cowboys in that division. But I do think things are looking up in Washington for the football team there. I do think this regime with Ron Rivera is very capable, and we'll get into that more again. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. It's going to be great. It's going to be super fun. It's Friday. It's a holiday weekend. I'm feeling crazy. My kids are back in school. This is my release. This is my two hours to just talk to you. So don't go anywhere. More fantasy sports today right here on SportsGrid right after this. Don't go anywhere. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And as I always say, the best things you could possibly be in a fantasy football draft are prepared. And obviously, what's the other one? Flexible. That's right. Things are not always going to go your way. But what we've been trying to do here on the show for the last few days is try to give you a look at what team roster construction might look like from different spots in the draft order. We've done one through four, and that's kind of easy. Now, Now the questions start coming. Where do you go with the five spot, the six spot? Where do you go with these things? And in this first one here in the five spot, we're going to talk a bit about what a team looks like when you go and start with a wide receiver, because that is very different than what a team looks like when you start a running back. Now, I am somebody who constantly likes to preach about going forward for that running back early, getting your bell cows. But there is that one special wide receiver named Michael Thomas who stands above all others, and rightfully so. Michael Thomas last year, 1,700 yards, even if he regresses down to what, 1,450 or 1,500. What a phenomenal season. I'm not worried 
about Jamison Winston possibly uh, Jamison Winston possibly being quarterback of Drew Brees misses time this year. I was worried about Teddy Bridgewater, and guess what? That all worked out fine. So if Winston has to end up playing, that's okay too. It's no big deal. So this is what we want to look at. What does roster construction look like if we go wide receiver one, top of the board for wide receiver early? And we'll take a look here at Michael Thomas and what that team looks like. So we'll start with Michael Thomas as that one pick. Now, obviously, the contenders there around that same spot are people like Derrick Henry, uh, Joe Mixon. He is in that mix, so to speak. We've also got a few other guys that are probably viable candidates there. Some people want to take Clyde Edwards Alaire this early. I don't think it's necessary to do that. I think there's other people on the board you want to take first. So let's go with Michael Thomas and see what that looks like. Now, this worked out pretty well because on the way back, we got Josh Jacobs, who I feel really good about as a high-end RB2, low-end RB1. And that is going to help. Now, the thing is, we have to hit running back pretty hard here back-to-back in order to make this work. Josh Jacobs is a rookie last year. The one knock on him, well, he didn't catch a lot of balls. But you know what? I think that's going to change a little bit more this year as he gets more fluid in the NFL, more understanding of the playbook. Josh Jacobs is a high-caliber guy and a high-caliber talent. And that is perfectly fine for your RB1 if your wide receiver one is the absolute best wide receiver in football. And his name is Michael Thomas. Now, the second running back you're going to see there is James Conner. And there's going to be some risk there with Conner. It's calculated risk, though, when it comes to James Conner in that system because the Pittsburgh Steelers offense has yielded a ton of running back points in years past, whether it be Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, the names go on and on. People step in and become very good as long as Big Ben is still the quarterback. So as long as Big Ben is there and healthy, which all reports seem to say he's going to be, Connor has risk, but Connor also has reward. He's one of those guys out there in full point PPR is going to catch passes, no doubt about that. He's going to be in a position where he is going to see a ton of volume. And on his last year of the contract, he's got something to prove in free agency. And that's very important to you. Do not lose sight of real football in fantasy because Yes, sometimes contract years don't work out the way people want them to, but for running backs, it is imperative because this is their shot to get paid in the NFL. The way the rookie contract structure is set up, this is why you see all these holdouts in year four. This is just a a commonality. This is just what happens the way the structure of the NFL is set up, the way the CBA is structured. So what you have here is a situation where you're going to have Aaron Jones as a free agent next year. You're going to have Leonard Fournette as a free agent. You're going to have James Conner as a free agent. James Conner has to have a big year, has to prove himself. The guy's in phenomenal shape. Have you seen the Instagram picks? And yes, phenomenal shape is always one thing. Staying on the football field is another. James Conner's a great story. He's a guy that I feel good as my RB2. I still want to back it up with lots of bodies as we go on, and we will. Let's go to that next spot here. Let's get a wide receiver to go along with Michael Thomas. And our wide receiver, too, is a guy we talked about yesterday, DJ Shark, who, again, great route runner. A guy last year as a rookie really impressed. And nobody really talked about him because he played in Jacksonville. If he had the kind of season that he had in Jacksonville in, say, Philadelphia or New York or some other bigger media market than Jacksonville, we'd all be talking a lot more about DJ Shark. And the one thing that I've noticed is this guy consistently is getting kind of passed over in drafts for some bigger names that might be around longer, but don't have the same kind of stat line this kid had last year. We're talking about a thousand yards again this year, probably somewhere around eight touchdowns. And now that they've gotten rid of Fournette, that running back system over there is completely in question. And and we should all be very afraid of it because Reichwell Armstead is not a sure thing. None of those guys are. So what does that mean? Probably a little bit more pressure on the passing game, probably a little bit more pressure to throw the ball a little bit more. And that works well 
for DJ Shark. So when you're looking at wide receiver twos, DJ Shark is a fine one to come away with. So we got our wide receiver one. We have our relative position value advantage. We have two pretty good running backs. They're back to back. Pretty good 1A kind of guys. I like the way this stacks up so far. DJ Shark is wide receiver two. And then we need to be great somewhere else. So this is the first time you'll see me take a tight end this early, and it was Darren Waller. Now, in full point PPR, Darren Waller is going to get receptions. Darren Waller might even approach that 100 uh, reception mark this year in 2020. Probably going to break 1,000 yards again because you look, Tyrell Williams is out for the year. You look at the rest of this team, too. Henry Ruggs is a rookie. They don't have a whole lot. Now, hopefully Ruggs develops. Hopefully you get some other movement from some other guys there, and they start to step up into this void. But until further notice, Darren Waller is by far the best option in this passing game in Las Vegas, and he will continue to be so. And he will go after those elite three guys. You're going to see Mark Andrews probably go right around that same time as him. You can pick or choose. Mark Andrews is going to have more touchdown upside in the standard league. But in a full point PPR, Darren Waller is going to have the weekly higher floor. And I think in PPR, I would lean that way. Whereas standard, I would lead with Mark Andrews for the touchdowns. Because again, one offense probably going to throw the football a little bit more in Las Vegas than the Baltimore Ravens. So those are your first five picks. Let's see how the next five turn out here. And let's throw them up on the board. So when you're looking forward here, you'll see, oh, a familiar face. One of Joey P's favorite guys, Kareem Hunt. Again, Kareem Hunt as a flex RB is a terrific value this year. He has the upside of a top five running back should anything happen to Nick Chubb. But even without that, this is a guy you can count on, I think, for somewhere around 13, 14 points a week. And that is great from your flex spot. That's exactly what you're looking for. Sign me up. And he's got upside for more. I love upside and a high floor. Yes, please, all of this. Next on the list, you have Jamison Crowder at number seven, another guy we see a ton of. So when we're talking about volume of receptions in a PPR, you're going to have Shark, Michael Thomas, and Jamison Crowder. That's pretty good. That's a lot of targets. That's a lot of catches. A lot of touchdowns from a couple of guys. Not so many touchdowns from Crowder, but if he can give us somewhere around seven, that's a pretty good mark. We'll take that to the bank. Now it's time to take our quarterback. And as you see, Deshaun Watson is a guy that's slipping a little bit further than he should. Deshaun Watson at number eight round right now, that is a spot where, I mean, you're getting an incredible value here. I understand people are down on Deshaun Watson right now. They're down on him because there's no DeAndre Hopkins. They're down on him because there's some questions about the running back position with David Johnson, and rightfully so. However, Deshaun Watson is a transcendent talent at quarterback. Let us not forget that. Deshaun Watson is going to find the open guy. Deshaun Watson is still an incredible fantasy quarterback. Still got Will Fuller. He's got Cooks. He's got Randall Cobb. He's got some capable bodies. Now, I'm still way more confident in Deshaun Watson than I am in the surrounding cast. And that's why you'll see not a lot of Texans on my team. But Deshaun Watson, I will make that spot for. Now, you see yesterday's draft, you had Aaron Rodgers going, I think, in the 10th round. I'll pay up two rounds to get Deshaun Watson if he's there on the board still. So keep an eye on him. He's been a guy who's falling in ADP recently. Number nine here, James White. Again, we need more running back help here because of James Conner's injury history. James White's been a very steady guy. I know last year was a little bit down. He's not going to match what he did in 2018. But I think he's going to be leaned on closer to that 2018 mark than that 2019 mark. You see Sony Michelle banged up. Who knows what his health is going to be? You see Damian Harris could miss week one. Who knows how that's going to work out? The one guy that you know the role and you know what his upside is and you know what the floor is, is James White. So you take him and you back it up again with another running back in Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, not the sexiest pick in the world, doesn't matter. 
Jordan Howard's going to be good for 900 plus yards, at least a half a dozen touchdowns, and he's going to be used. He is going to be the guy there. Yes, Matt Breed is going to have some moments. Yes, there's going to be better Matt Breed weeks than there's going to be Jordan Howard weeks. That's going to happen inevitably. But at the same time, you have to understand that when you take James Conner's RB2, you have to have more uh, bodies around just in case the inevitable happens. And Larry Fitzgerald is the steal there. Uh, you'll see in the 12th round, old man Larry Fitzgerald can still get the job done. Love this offense. Love what's going on. So that's what a draft looks like from the fifth spot. So that's when you take the wide receiver first. Not something I tend to do, but I will for Michael Thomas. What does the draft from the sixth spot look like? Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. So we come back. We're going to take a look at that kind of draft with my boy Derek Henry at the top. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia with you here. And our next guest is one of the best football minds out there and college football minds as well. You probably know him. He's the czar of the playbook. He's the owner of Football Game Plan. He's the one, the only, Emery Hunt. Emery, welcome to the program, my friend. It is so good to see your face and to talk some football with you today. I appreciate you, as always, for having me on, man. Good to see you as well. All right. So look, I got, I'm going to put you on the spot here because you're my friend and I love you. So I'm going to put you on the spot to begin with here with this college football season. Now we're going to get NFL. That was always a foregone conclusion. Do you think that where we're headed right now with the college game, that these organizations, these universities are making the right call, the wrong call? How do you see this shaping up? Or is this the inevitable conclusion of a spring season or a winter season of college football? Or do you think things are going to go as planned in the fall here for some of these leagues? The best answer I can give you is that I don't know. You hope for the best, but you mm -hmm. prepare for the worst, and you hope the worst never comes because in this situation, the worst could end up meaning death, and you don't want right. that to happen out there. But you hope that, you know, with testing evolving, remember how we were when this thing first started when there was only one way to test, and we didn't know too much about how the virus was transmitted. And as we went along during the weeks and months, we found out more information, and it has become more uh, accessible to get tests and more accessible to um, stop the spread of the virus. So you hope those protocols continue as you move forward. So to be honest, it's a day-to-day -day -day approach, a week-to-week -week approach when you're talking about college football and college athletics because you have that whole college aspect of it to right. where you have to depend on people on campus doing the right things. And you can't even get people in this country to just decide on the right thing. <laughs> And let alone college students, we all were 17 to, you know, 22 years old at one point in time. And you know how it can go in one ear and out the other. Young yes. people do feel invincible. Uh, but you, you hope that things can go on according to plan. But you really have to be honest with yourself and honest with what's going on by saying it's a day to day, week to week thing. So anytime you can get a practice complete without any hiccups, great Anytime you get a game complete without any hiccups, we saw one last week with Central Arkansas and Austin P. great. I think you just got to celebrate those victories like that as opposed to trying to look ahead and project and forecast what, what could potentially happen. You know, as an athlete yourself, do you think that you would feel comfortable in 
this environment playing? Or are you somebody that maybe would have wanted to opt out? And uh, again, I, I think these are important conversations because it's it's great to talk to people who actually were in a position of having to possibly make a decision like this instead of other people making decisions for them. I always like to ask the people themselves how they feel. I know a lot of athletes have actually said, hey, we'd rather be in a controlled environment like this college environment. But you're also saying, and, and I agree with you to a certain extent as well, that Hey, you know, young kids do stupid things in one ear and out the other, and it's only when we get old that we kind of understand and have better perspectives. So do you think as a college athlete yourself uh, not that long ago that you would feel comfortable in this environment playing the game? And again, these guys aren't getting paid at the end of the day. It's tough for me now as a 39-year-old to to go back and, and think of what I would have done in that situation because you have to remember, if you're a student athlete, there's a lot of factors weighing into right. every decision that you make, you know, Man, if my teammates are doing it, I don't want to be the outcast. I also don't want to be made an outcast. I don't want to upset coach. I want to play, but is it safe? I don't want to harm, you know, maybe if I'm asymptomatic, that's fine. But you don't want to go back to your family and then put them in danger. So I can't even begin to say what I would have done as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, uh, with this 39-year-old perspective. So it's tough to answer that question, to be honest. Wow, that's And that's why I like talking to you, man, because I know you always give the honest answer, just like me, for better or worse. We're honest fellows. <laughs> Sometimes that does, people don't like that all the time, but uh, I respect that, and that's, again, why I always like talking to you. So let, let's talk some players. Let's talk some fantasy. We'll have some fun here. Enough of the serious talk. We'll kind of move away from that. And I know in terms of, you know, evaluation of players, you I mean, nobody sees more college football than you. You're one of those guys who's right tied into it. So I want to ask you about a couple guys and kind of get your take on not only their transition here in redraft leagues in their first year in the league as rookies, but also maybe long-term assets as well. And let's start with J.K. Dobbins, who's getting a lot of buzz right now out of Baltimore. And there's a lot of questions whether or not, you know, hey, is he going to really push Ingram? And we've seen in the past, even just last year, oh, Justice Hill's going to, you know, push Mark Ingram out. Well, it didn't happen. Everyone's always trying to get rid of Mark Ingram. Is Dobbins the guy to do it finally? And is he going to do it this year? Or is this just a learning curve year for Dobbins in this offense with the Ravens? I think all of those things can be true because Dobbins is such a tremendous player. You look at what he brings to the table. He has explosiveness, great vision. He got better every year at Ohio State. I thought this past season was his best because you saw the vision, you saw the patience, you saw the explosiveness, and I thought he got in better football shape than opposed to when he was first there at at Ohio State. I thought he played a little bit heavy Mm -hmm. earlier in his career. He got in better shape and had better results. So I can see him being a complete uh, jack of all trades in the run game. Also out of the backfield as a, as an outlet receiver, he gives them some options. He's a better fit for what they want to do than Justice Hill was last year, which is why they went ahead and addressed that position mm. this year in the draft to get someone that can co-pilot with Ingram while slowly taking over Ingram um, in, in that role. Because to be honest, it was Mark Ingram. The reason why they went out and got Mark Ingram because they didn't have any burst in the backfield. I know they had a lot of yards with uh, Gus Edwards, but he's not explosive. So they right. went ahead and got Ingram. He was the explosive guy. They wanted to continue to add that with Justice Hill, but he's not the natural runner that no. Ingram is. So now they found a guy that's just like Ingram, but younger, a little bit more apt to do more things in the passing game, and J.K. Dobbins. All right, so let's talk about Cam Akers, who has a clearer path. And Dobbins, at least, it would seem so. Henderson having that injury in camp early on for the Rams. Cam Akers, another guy with a really good college career, great resume here, and a great opportunity, perhaps a better opportunity, to kind of come out of the gate week one with the majority of the carries. I guess the question is, do you think he's going to just run away with this job? Is it a foregone conclusion that Akers and this guy, and does he have the ability in year one 
to kind of pull away as the true number one in this offense. Because I think even last year, you see they would limit Todd Gurley a little bit. And I think it hurt them overall. Gurley's a guy that needs to touch the ball more, and they kind of limited him, especially in the passing game. Can Akers kind of not become Todd Gurley, but be, can he become the true number one in this Rams offense in 2020? I don't think he could become the true number one because you still have Daryl Henderson there mm-hmm. on the roster. And if he's healthy, he's the better back. Okay. And that's just being, you know, straight up honest. When you look at what Akers brings to the table, I compared his game coming out of college to Alvin Kamara. Akers is more of a guy that can be solid on both ends, you know, as a receiver and also as a runner. He doesn't need volume to be uh, to be productive. But when you look at Henderson's sole asset as a running back, he has a game-breaking element to his game. So it doesn't take long for him to really rip off a long run. This is a guy that averaged almost nine yards a carry his last year at Memphis. So you can't just push that to the side. And they drafted him last year for a reason, just like they drafted Akers this year for a reason. I think in their offense, both guys have a great opportunity to really feed off one another. But you also can't forget about Malcolm Brown being sandwiched in there because obviously they like him because he's still around and they were giving him carries at one point in time, uh, you know, when Curly wasn't as healthy as he had been. So I wouldn't be too ready to crown Akers. Right now he's getting valuable reps in practice, which is great. That helps shorten the learning curve. But for for him, and especially in this offense, it'll be about pass pro. And we know what he can do in the passing game as a receiver, but can he, you know, be apt in as far as pickup and those things? Uh, And also with Henderson coming back to full strength, whenever that may be, can both guys coexist? I think both guys can coexist because they both don't need volume to be successful. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver position here and transition a little bit. And uh, I don't think a lot of people thought that Henry Ruggs was going to go as the first wide receiver taken. A lot of people were very excited about the talent, but obviously the Raiders were more excited than most with what he could potentially do in this offense. Now, with Tyrell Williams out for the year, there might be a little bit more pressure or maybe a little bit more of a need for Ruggs to kind of show out early on. In your opinion, is Ruggs up to this challenge? I think so. To me, Ruggs compared favorably to Joey Galloway and what he was able to do from a speed perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can take a short pass a long way. He can beat you deeper down the field. I love what they did in the draft, bringing on Brian Edwards as well, um, teaming those guys up with Hunter Renfro and what they already have on a roster. Nelson Aguilar is a guy that to keep an eye on because he can play all three positions, but probably ideally suited to thrive inside as a slot receiver as well. Um, so I think this passing game will be a lot better. Ruggs can be what they want him to be. He can also play multiple positions across the, the perimeter. Um, but well, that think- was my question actually for you, Emery, because how do you see them lining up? Do you think Ruggs is the slot guy or is Renfro the slot guy and Ruggs on the outside? And I know he's versatile, but who do you think of the best spot potentially for him to be in 2020 is in your opinion? Well, I, I just think it, it depends on the matchup. Okay. Sometimes you may have a slower slot guy. Um, and the best matchup may be to put Ruggs inside on that slower gotcha. slot guy. Uh, so that's the beauty of having versatility because you can really go into a game and strictly focus on matchups and, and make sure you essentially make sure your uh, offense positionless. So you want to get to a point where your offense and your defense is positionless. And I think when you have guys that can do more than one thing, you're trekking in the right direction. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick hit to and a look at Jerry Judy and a guy who was 
at a lot of the board, very top at wide receiver, a lot of people going into draft day. He was ended up selected by obviously the Denver Broncos. And it's funny. I got a question actually today on Twitter. Somebody asked me, you know, in a dynasty league, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Judy or CeeDee Lamb? You know, CeeDee Lamb's right there with the Cowboys now. Obviously, maybe a better opportunity this year with better quarterback play, obviously, maybe in the next couple of years, too. Drew Locke, we'll see what he becomes. Some some decent outings from him later in the season last year. But this is tough because I love Judy. I love Lamb. I love these two guys. But if you had to pick one, and a lot of people are in those rookie drafts this year, who would you want on that dynasty team? Who is the guy that you think is going to have the best next three years of a career potentially i would probably say it would go towards cd lamb because he has a better quarterback uh and dak prescott who's playing good because that's what i answered the guy so now i feel better (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because dak Dak prescott and even though i like drew lock but you also look at what lock has that you know the cowboys don't have lock has a very good explosive tight end they also have multiple weapons at receiver and when they get kj hamler back healthy that's another option at the out there. They still have Deshaun Hamilton. They have Tim Patrick, who that team likes. They also have Cortland Sutton, who's their bona fide number one. So they have a ton of options. They also are able to dump the ball out in the backfield to both Melvin Gordon and also Philip Lindsay. So the Broncos are not devoid of talent on that on that roster. And I think when you look at Dallas, you can clearly see a path defined for CD Lamb to, to get his consistent you know, looks and targets and, and be able to have success. I think that would be the better bet because it's clearly defined for him. Not a lot of mouths to feed, so to speak, but also better quarterback play. Now, the name on everybody's radar this year is Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this Kansas City offense. Give me your take on this. Is it just as easy as, yeah, Andy Reid's got a great track record. Yeah, it's a great offense. Yeah, put him in the first round. Or are you skeptical a little bit that people might be overrating him a little bit at this point? I know I was super excited. I love the dude in college. I think he's ready to go. But it's so tough when you don't have a preseason. You don't get to see anything with your eyeballs, even though preseason's overrated too. So give me your two cents here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, is he ready to become that big-time fantasy back that everybody thinks right now that he is right now, year one? Yeah, absolutely. This was an easy choice for me. When you look at what he does well, he does everything well. Running from a traditional running back sense, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. People love saying that as if running backs run routes 80% of the time. The most important part of your job as a running back is being able to run the football, and he does that. It's funny that people are always knocking running backs going in the first round, but when you watched Kansas City last year, as much success as they had, you always thought to yourself, man, if Kareem Hunt was on this team, no, that's really what I thought. dynamic. <laughs> and so what they did do, they went out and drafted a running back in the first round. So it tells you that they saw the same things, mm-hmm. and they got a great one, I believe, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, we got a great one here with Emory Hunt, as always. And it's funny because, Emory, I'm drafting Kareem Hunt everywhere this year, too, because I think he's going to be good regardless of whatever role they give him. And then on top of that, if something, God forbid, should happen to Chubb, all of a sudden Hunt becomes a top five running back again. So I got to tell you, man, I'm with you 100 percent and I'm excited about Hilaire. I'm excited about football. I'm happy that we're getting closer to it. Uh, you can go follow Emery over on Twitter at FBall Game Plan and go check out all his work. And Emery, you're going to be calling games in the spring, I believe, as well, correct? Yeah, right now, hopefully, knock on wood, you still have, we have the MEAC coming back in the spring, so you'll see me on some Morgan State games. Excellent. Uh, you'll see me on some PSAC games, which is Division Two Conference up in Pennsylvania. So let's, if we're able to get football in the spring, you'll see me on your ESPN threes. And, and there you other- go, baby. Excellent. All right, more fancy sports today right after this. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. It's always great to sit and talk football and life with Emory Hunt. So I appreciate him spending some time in hour two of the program. We're going to have Andrew Erickson from pro football focus talking about some of the wide receivers you need to know here in fantasy football, but we're going to take a break from football for a moment. I'm going to talk a little DFS baseball on FanDuel tonight. Yeah, we talk basketball, we talk football. It's time for some baseball here. Now let's fire things up. Yesterday, Clayton Kershaw was very good. He was our cash game guy. He continues to dominate. And so does you Darvish. I am going to pay up for you Darvish tonight. Yes, I understand he's going against the Cardinals, who have been very hot. Yes, I also understand he's going up against Jack Flaherty, who is no slouch of his own. But at a certain point, we have to give praise to the guy who's probably the front runner for the NL Cy Young, and that's you, Darvish. So is he worth 11.2? Yeah, I think he is. It's time to give that guy some respect. Zach Davies against Oakland is a good play. He's just under the radar. He's going against Lazardo tonight, and Lazardo is probably the bigger name of the two, but I think Zach Davis is in a better spot to get the W. So look for that win equity at 8.9K against Oakland. Cody Bellinger uh, against the Colorado Rockies. It's at home. It's not in Colorado, but Senzatella, the righty on the mound. I like Bellinger in this one. And of course, Jeff McNeil. Yeah, that's right. That Jeff McNeil is all the way down to 2.6. He's been dropped in that order by the New York Mets. And at 2.6 against Jake Arrieta, I think he's in play. In fact, I think all the Mets are in play against Jake Arrieta and Rick Porcello today on the other side of that game. So you might want to get involved in that one. It seems like the one to game stack two very hittable pitchers. So we'll see how that one uh, rolls out there as we look through FanDuel this weekend. And look, it's a weird slate tonight, too, because you got all those double headers. So be careful of which way you're going to go. I would fade the all day slate. It's only got one extra game on it. Just stick to the evening. Stick to what you know. Go with those pitchers. And I think you'll be in good shape here tonight in Major League Baseball. And look, last night was fun, too. We had Louis Robert hitting a mammoth home run, 458 feet. As I said before, Clayton Kershaw throwing a great game there. So uh, baseball going, basketball going, fantasy football, real football around the corner. Times are good. And times are good here on SportsGrid, too, because that's just hour one. Hour two is coming up next. We're going to talk about the things to look forward to this weekend and more NASCAR baseball and football. Stick around. More SportsGrid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 